the shop, a moto podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of the shop, a moto podcast. We're chilling at the shop, and uh, I have Jake next to me. How you doing, Jake? I'm good, good. A uh, little different this time. Going to let you have the controls a little bit, so we'll see how this works. Yeah, I'm the host. Jake's my co-host. Just uh, for this episode, <laughs> for now. How was your weekend, dog? I was good, because uh, guess what? I rode this weekend, and you didn't. So <laughs> I was I did. I was normal this weekend. Didn't touch or think about my dirt bike, which is really weird for me. Yeah, you're depressed now, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> Post ride depression. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I had a it was, I had an eventful weekend. I would say um, I had plans to go to the Mid South Arena Cross on Sunday, and they actually canceled it last minute. So uh, since I had everything already loaded up and ready to go, um, and was heading that way. I went ahead and just kept on going past it to Jonesboro to that American Motorsports Park, and they had a little race. And there wasn't a ton of people there. Uh, the track that's not super appealing, but it really wasn't that terrible. It actually, you know, got some ruts and things, and just not a lot of big jumps or anything. But and there wasn't anybody for me to really race with, which was okay considering I got a flat at the on the first lap of the second moto. So I, I pulled off and didn't destroy my tire or anything. But my kids had fun. They did good. Uh, they had kids to race with where they actually could push and try, and Bladen actually won the PW class, so um, it's pretty cool when your five-year-old finally gets a win. He's, like, so pumped that out his first-place trophy and all, so. I bet it's, it's just sitting next to his bed in his room. Yeah, it so is. It. <laughs> yeah, he wants to put it in the shop where we have all the other trophies. Like, we've got Loretta's bibs and my Loretta's trophy and, um, you know, just things that we've collected over the years, a few jerseys and stuff, so he wants to put it in there and kind of, you know, Show it off. but hey, it's his first ever first place, so you might as well keep it and make something of it. And uh, but yeah, we had a we had a fun time, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll find somewhere. Not really a lot of places racing this weekend, but at least we'll hopefully find somewhere to go ride because it's it's been raining through the week. So hopefully uh, there'll be some moisture in the ground for some of our local tracks. Yeah, maybe the some woods we can go hit some woods. Sarah's gonna be good, I heard. So we'll look around. I know Golden Pines closed for indefinitely because they had some family issues and uh the only monsters pro- monsters practicing and the only i don't even know of any other races besides mccarty mccarty's having a big race and uh they're having a little dash for cash fast lap is and i wanted jake to go do it see see if he can bring some money home for the shop yeah well it's on saturday my wife has to work on saturday so i'm i'm off i can't can't do anything saturday i have to just it'd have to be sunday so uh you know, that kind of changes plans of things, but it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I saw um, a lot of people probably going to be open for practice, but there's not going to be a bunch of tracks open racing, it doesn't look like. Cause it, and I would ex- it's expect that through the whole month of June, there's not going to be a ton of racing because everybody's going to be doing regionals. Tracks know that. They know they're not going to have big turnouts when a, the majority of your serious people are at regionals. So uh, probably won't be a lot to talk about uh local wise racing wise in the next month other than us talk about some regionals if we have local kids and uh one thing i talk about on that we had uh a few local riders go up to lincoln trail i know jansen took tinley up there uh she didn't really have that great of overall results they had some bike problems and stuff but she had some motos where she was up front um you know top three wise showing that she's got the speed to be up there so that was cool to hear from jansen and him let me know how she did um and then uh, 
um, Mackenzie was there. Uh, she was at Lincoln Trail. She put in some good motos. Uh, she's always, you know, up front in the women's class and girls' class. And uh, she actually has been riding schoolboy and super mini some too, and being in top tens at those at some of these, some of these bigger, bigger races that they're going to. Um, and then Fast Farms raced, and uh, Cade Pedigo was there. He got another fifth in 65, 79. So it's two weeks in a row they went to bigger races, and he was top five. So that's some good confidence for him. Um, Brady Little, uh, Marlon's little boy, he was there also. Uh, he put in a good showing at uh, Fast Farms. He was in the top five in the 65-79 and open. Uh, and then uh, Sutton Baldwin was also there. I think he was a little bit behind them, um, but I don't think he was way off. So it's cool to see some of our local kids going off to some of these bigger races and actually being in the mix. Yeah, it's good to see, like, they're training. They're riding here and doing their local tracks here and going to go show it off at the bigger national caliber tracks. Yep, pretty cool. Pretty cool deal. And uh, so I guess that's kind of all that's uh, kind of went on over the weekend and uh, all that has been, all that we know that's going on for uh, for this weekend. And uh, I guess I'm going to let you take the reins on what this episode is going to be about, Grayson. Uh, this episode's going to be a little different. We don't have much to talk about. Uh, Supercross coming up. So next week's episode is going to be packed with Supercross talk and amateur racing talk. But this weekend we're going to do something different. I'm just going to, people who don't know Jake, like, and his backstory of racing and his childhood, which I'm not, I've, I don't know him for a super long time, so it'd be nice for me to learn some too. But just to see his backstory and his, where he came from and how racing has been a big part of his life. Yeah, so we're going to uh, do this as kind of like an interview style uh, podcast just for this week just to kind of do something a little different like we said there's not wasn't as, as much stuff going on and going on this weekend so uh just to give us something to talk about and kind of give people a little bit of a history or background on me so it's not just uh so maybe i don't seem like just a guy that's on here acting like i know what i'm talking about or something and you, are. you know <laughs> well you know i kind of feel like i have a lot of experience and have experienced a lot of things in the sport to you know pass on some knowledge of you know things i've learned to to help you know with discussions on things and uh i'm not the kind of guy to just be stuck in my ways like i i feel like that there's a lot of ways it could work and we need to all be open-minded and open to change things and do things a little bit different because that's uh, the only way you grow is to change things and um being in business um not only for when i was with my dad at his shop uh, and the things I learned from somebody that's owned his own business for 33 years, but also coming to work for Donnie, and it's the same deal. I mean, Donnie's dad's been in business for over for like over 50 years. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been a small business owner for a long time, and, and they operate a lot of the same. And uh, I just I've learned things from that too. On uh, you know, you have to evolve, you have to change because times change, people change, a lot of stuff changes, and. Um, so a lot of things in motocross that haven't changed, and uh, I think we could we could get onto that. But that could be another topic maybe for later on. So, all right, I'm giving this to Grayson for his uh, to start this off. So, Mr. Jake Lowry, you've raced uh, pro since from 2008 to 2011. Your best moto finish is a 26 moto at uh, Spring Creek, and you have four kids. You were born and raised in Pearl, Mississippi. So, how did you get started into riding? So my dad rode and raced um, when he was an older teenager. I think he started 
it, it's hard for me to really remember the stories, but I know my great aunt took my dad to like a motorcycle rodeo when he was, I think like 12 or so. And he like just fell in love with like, this is what he wanted to do. Um, and he couldn't, his parents weren't going to just buy him a bike. They didn't believe in it. They didn't have the money to do it. So he cut grass, saved up enough money, bought, bought his first bike. And he started just riding around the neighborhood with his friends. Cause in the seventies, that's what they did. Everybody rode, all the kids rode, you know, and they would just find trails around their house and ride and build stuff. And, uh, then as he got older, you know, he started racing, he, he started racing. And then my grandpa actually started to like it. And, uh, my dad always worked on stuff. Uh, so at a young age, he had a little shop in the garage and it turned into, turned into more of a thing where a lot of people wanted him to work on their stuff. And then he started going and working for shops and he was racing at this time too. So he, you know, and I think he, you know, made it to like a local A level, you know, it was never like a, a real pro or anything, but made it to a expert level. Um, and he, uh, you know, he, he worked at local shops and went to different OEM schools working for dealers and, you know, got his start of learning how to, you know, be a, a good mechanic. And, uh, the same time he opened his store, um, my mom was pregnant with me. So, uh, he opened his store in 87 and I was born in 88 and, uh, it was a thing my dad owned a, he owned a motorcycle shop. He rode and raced like his kids, obviously going to ride and race. And I don't know that my dad necessarily really thought that we would go the places we went or I would ever be the kind of rider I became. It was more of like how I do with my kids. Like, this is what we do. This is what we've done as a family. This is just what our family is invested in. So we're going to do this and have fun and enjoy motorcycling because it's, it's what we enjoy to do, not necessarily that, oh, we're going to do this because we want to be the next pro and make a living racing motorcycles. It's, it's not that. It's more of we live this lifestyle of, of riding motorcycles and enjoying the outdoors on motorcycles. So, yeah, that's, you know, my dad's at, you know, a really young age. Um, I was actually two when I got my first bike. It was, uh, I got it uh that that christmas and i turned three the next the following month in january so but my dad said i didn't really ride a whole bunch my first year you know it was there i would you know flirt around with riding some i was little so he had to try the training wheel thing and all and uh but by the time i was four i really started riding more started racing some and uh then by the time i was six uh i qualified for loretta's for the first time ever and uh yeah, I went to Loretta's in 94 as a six-year-old in the uh, four to six shaft drive class. And uh, I think back then, though, it wasn't four to six shaft drive. It was just four to six. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have Cobras and KTMs and all that, or they were just starting to get those. Um, well, actually, I think 95 or 96 was the first. Well, no, they had K KTMs in 95, I know for sure. So maybe in 94, they still still just all PWs in the four to six class. Uh, well, I guess in everything. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I went there, didn't do very good. I got last actually every moto cause my bike wouldn't run. And my dad's taught me lessons about that with PWs for my own kids now that, um, when you wash them, they get water in the carburetor and <laughs> you better drain it. Cause, uh, you might end up with problems down the road. And that's kind of what happened with me. Um, but it was cool because my cousin Dex, who is a top CrossFit guy, you know, I told you about him, Grayson. Uh, he raced Loretta's that year with me, um, 
And then also my really good friend Johnny Moore raced Loretta's uh, with me that year. So all three of us being from the same area going on the on PWs was pretty cool. We've got a picture of all three of us together when we were just little five- and six-year-old kids at Loretta's on PWs, which is – I think that's really cool, especially to – you know, still be all still be good friends and to grow up and kind of go in our, in our different ways, which me and Johnny both, you know, went pro from the area. And, you know, I, I guess you could say somewhat, I guess, it, it, depending on how you want to say make it or made it in the sport, you know, I mean, we, we, we achieved some goals that a lot of people don't achieve and coming from the same area and, and growing up friends from day one, because our dads were friends. That's, that's pretty cool. You know, you don't, you don't see those stories, I guess, all the time. But, uh, yeah, after that, uh, you know, I guess you make it to Loretta's and you kind of get that, like, all right, we're a little more serious than just a local kid now. Like, we, you know, this is, like, our – so, like, my thing was I – even before I raced Loretta's, I went to Loretta's with my dad because he would go and race Loretta's. So, uh, it was a yearly thing. Like, it was yearly we were going to try and qualify for Loretta's. We didn't maybe go and do a bunch of other amateur nationals, but we were going to do Loretta's. Um, so then in, uh, I made it again in 95, uh, on a KTM and, uh, I don't really remember how I did. It was, uh, my dad hated that bike. It was so junk. And most people know the older, all those older fifties like that were, were not good. Um, and then we, uh, let's see, 96, I didn't make it. Would have been my first year in seven to eight. Um, so yeah, that's, a, that's a question that I had written down was, uh, so you, your dad racing just made you want to race. Were you like super competitive already as a kid when you're doing other sports and uh, you were playing basketball and football and like in the school, were you that competitive just always and it transferred over to dirt bikes? Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't play, like I, I played um, baseball as a kid and uh, it, it, I didn't, so it wasn't like the game of baseball that I didn't like. I didn't like I didn't like being on a team. I didn't like that, you know, as a kid, and I was short, when I got to, co- uh, to like, player pitch uh, baseball, the, a lot of the kids were taller than me, so they couldn't pitch to me. So the coaches would always be like, don't swing at it. They can't pitch to you. You're good. You, you just walk. Yeah. And I hated that because, like, I want to hit the ball. Forget, like, that – you know, for the team or whatever, for us to win this little league game that doesn't mean crap, that I've got to sit here and just walk. I didn't like that. I didn't like – I wanted to be the one to do the work and 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 get the success and it be me. And then uh, – so I didn't, I didn't really jive with baseball as a kid. And then as I got older and I could play football, same deal. We would get in trouble – or, well, not we. One kid out of the 80 when I was in junior high would get in trouble – and we would have to run and do all this for this one kid acting like an idiot. And I'm like, man, I, I don't like, like, being punished because one idiot on the team was, you know, was an idiot and, you know, trashed the locker room or whatever. Like, I don't know. I just – the team sport deal, you have to rely on other people. And then other people's failures make you a failure. So I was just like, I, you know, I, I really got a bad taste for team sports at a, you know, at a young age. It wasn't – I wanted to be competitive, but – and me too being small – you know, sometimes ball sports, if you're a smaller guy, ball sports just don't work out for you. And dirt bikes, it doesn't matter. You can be small, you can be big, it doesn't matter. You know, your size really doesn't affect you racing dirt bikes. So um, I just always went back to that. But I raced uh, BMX, I rode BMX, I, I skateboarded, and I was competitive and all that. I wanted to be as good as I could. I just, my talent and skill was dirt bikes. And, it, you know, maybe it's something because my, 
you know, my dad did it. It was, you know, maybe like destined to be that I'm supposed to ride dirt bikes, but that was the one thing that was consistent and we always did. So yeah, at a young age, I was successful at it or somewhat successful. So when you're successful at it, it makes it a lot easier to continue just, just doing that. But, uh, so I would say, yeah, that, that was, uh, I was always, yeah, competitive, but, um, yeah, it, I know to go back on where we were at on, you know, going through, you know, my childhood of racing, uh, 96 was my first year in seven to eight. I didn't make it. So, um, 97 was my last year on a 50. My dad bought a Cobra. It was the second year Cobras were out. And, uh, so these things were new, but they were rocket ships. And, uh, if you wanted to win in the 50 class, you pretty much needed one. So we, uh, we bought a Cobra, uh, it was good. I was fast on it. it. Was you know I remember lining up in sixty five classes and and beating the majority of the sixty fives and the dads whining and you know because I didn't have to shift and stuff. So I guess they thought maybe that was a advantage. But um, we went to uh, we we did some areas and qualified. We went to Swan for my regional, and uh, it was last moto. Uh, I was in third. Um, was. You know, if I would have finished third, I was easily going to be probably top three at the regional, easily going to make it in, and my stator went out. And unfortunately, in the 57-8 class, how it was back then is just like it is now. That class has, you know, I mean, you have a full, more than a full gate. So you go get a DNF, you're not going to make it. Doesn't matter if I three three DNFs, not going to make it. So we didn't make Loretta's that year, and we my dad bought a Cobra just for making Loretta's and and trying to do good at Loretta's. And uh, so, yeah, we didn't make it, and uh, my dad called Bud, who was the creator of Cobra and used to be the owner, and told him, he's like, hey, man, Stater went out, and, uh, you know, we, did, we didn't, I bought this thing for Loretta's, we didn't make it. And he said, well, look, y'all have got a Ponca qualifier down in South Mississippi this weekend. Uh, I know y'all hadn't done any Ponca qualifiers, but go down there. If Jake wins, you'll, you'll qualify. I'll next day you the parts, you know, we'll, we'll get it rolling. So they did that, next day us the parts. My dad got it back together. We went down to South Mississippi. I, I, you know, won every moto there, and uh, qualified for Ponca. Which, you know, Ponca's Ponca back then. For people that don't know, it was the week before Loretta's, and it was almost just as big of a deal as Loretta's. Um, and the difference was, you had to do qualifiers, but that was just because they they kind of wanted your money first. But then you could show up to Ponca. It didn't matter what place you got it to qualify or not. They were pretty much going to let you race. But you showed up, and there might be 80 or 90 dudes in your class, and you still have to qualify for the main. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do the racing up there. And I'd never been to Ponca. We do the racing up there, and uh, I qualify for the main, no problem. We get to the main, and I was in sixth place in the main. And uh, I come over a jump, and it was a big double, but we were just, you know, jumping out on the single a little bit. And when I land, my back wheel explodes. Uh, so that ruins a top 10 at a national. And uh, I did beat Alessi that year. His bike broke before mine. He was a factory KTM rider, and his bike broke before mine. So if you look at the record book overall, I, I beat him. But, uh, we'll add that to the fight club. Yeah, oh, that's okay. it. Yeah, yeah, you beat you Michael Alessi. You basically won fight <laughs> so, club. Anyway, uh, and then just to know, throw more names of guys that I grew in my era that grew, that grew up that, you can, that are still pros today. So Kyle Chisholm was – I guess you could say my Cobra teammate because I had some Cobra support, a uh, little bit of support they had at that kind of time. Uh, he came over the, the next lap. He was actually in the top three. He came over the next lap and on the exact same jump, 
the following lap of mind breaking, he lands and his chain breaks. And my dad said Bud just threw his hands up and stormed off the track because his two top ten Cobra riders, you know, their their good finishes were gone because of bike failures. And uh, that happened a lot in that time because these bikes were so new. And uh, Ricky Renner actually won on an action. And people have no idea even what an action is today. But, yeah, he won. And uh, that's, you know, that was my 50 career. Bud wanted us to get a fake birth certificate and continue on being a Cobra rider. And my dad's like, no way, dude. Way too many people know who we are. There's no way we're doing that. And uh, it's kind of funny that, you know, that kind of stuff went on back then, too, just like it does now. But, yeah, so then after that, I moved up to 65, which I was already had a 65 or 60 and because uh, they weren't 65s at that time. And went on, and I, I didn't make Loretta's again on a 60 until my last year. Um, and uh, I remember going to – we went to New Mexico for the regional, and I was top three in this uh, 65, 10 to 11 classes. And I crashed on my 85 before my third moto and uh, kind of hit my head and, and was not all there and had to ride like that for the third motos, but somehow managed to finish good enough to where I got sixth overall in the stock and mod classes. I uh, went to Loretta's that year and was absolutely horrible. Just uh, crashed in practice, and it threw me off, and I just I, I, I rode scared and not like, not like myself. So I didn't have, you know, I went from, you know, being a front runner at a regional to just being horrible at Loretta's. And, uh, so that year didn't really pan out. Then uh missed a few years of going on eighty five till the eighty five fourteen to fifteen class and I went um the last two years of eighty five fourteen to fifteen. Um the first year was an extreme mutter and I was horrible. I think I fell every lap, maybe more than once every lap in the Ten Commandments. Just because I would get in there and I would start teeter tottering and I couldn't touch the ground because I was small and it oh that year was horrible. It rained but I only had one dry moto. It was horrible. And uh, so, yeah, that year didn't go that great. Um, and then the next year of 85, 14, and 15, I think I was like low 20s or something like that. But, you know, still, same deal. Just didn't probably ride like I should be able to, like myself. Uh, Loretta's was never good to me as a kid. Uh, bad luck, crashes, just not ever riding like I knew how to ride. Um, and then, uh, my first year, so after 85, 14, and 15, that would have been 03 and 04. Uh, 05 was my first year on a big bike. And because I rode 85s for so long being small, I didn't get to ride schoolboy. I rode schoolboy from August to December. And then in January, I turned, I was already 16 because I was riding as a, riding 85, 14, to 15. Even though I turned 16 on January 23rd, I rode 85s as a, as a 15-year-old all year, even though I was 16. Mm-hmm. So when I... I could only ride schoolboy from August to December. When I moved up, I was uh, I, I was already too old to ride schoolboy, so I had to move straight to the B class. And I had a 125 two-stroke. We went to uh, Oak Hill for the GNC International Final, and it was horrible, man. I lined up. Every gate was full of 250Fs, and I'm about the only guy on a 125. And it just – you couldn't get starts. It was so hard to compete. And I came home like, Dad, we've got to get a 254 stroke. We have got to. So we got a 250. And uh, was that before the rule that you could ride a 252 stroke in the 254 stroke? Yes. Class? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing you could ride a 252 stroke in was 450 class. Okay. So, because there wasn't a bunch of 450s at that time either. So okay. um, I actually started riding the 252 stroke and would ride it in the 450 class. And that, so at my regional that year with Muddy Creek, and I, I would probably went to more regionals but that year, but I just I remember Muddy Creek because that's where I qualified. Um, 
So my first year in the B class, not expecting to qualify for Loretta's at all. And uh, I remember my dad was still, my dad raced the whole time I grew up, you know, so we would go to, you know, I remember, like I was saying on a 65 and when I went to New Mexico for my regional, we didn't go home. We went to Oklahoma and stayed there and rode for the week because my dad's regional was at Cooperland that year. So he always raced and rode as I was growing up as a kid. So, uh, but flashback up forward to big bikes, uh, Muddy Creek, since we're both, I'm in the B class, he's riding vet classes, same regionals where I have to go to multiples now. Um, so he had a 252 stroke and I wanted to ride the 450 class on a 252 stroke. So I would ride his bike and I would finish and have to ride it to the gate and he would be waiting and staging for his class and we would swap bikes and uh so we had to just do double time on that but my focus was the 254 stroke classes uh or they were 125 classes back then still they didn't call it 250 they just called it 125 and uh so i ended up getting 12th overall but because it was a southeast regional and it was so packed that's where they pulled the alternates from so we sent my money in and ended up making it in uh 250 or 125 b um I don't know if it was stock or mod, um, but it was only one class that year, which was fine with me. It was my first year in the B class off little bikes. Like, you know, I wasn't really super expecting to make it, but hey, we made it. And uh, it didn't really go super good that year. I mean, we weren't expecting to set the world on fire. It was just more of let's get some experience for next year. So the following year, 06, um, I'm getting faster on big bikes. I'm kind of growing a little bit, so I'm fitting a big bike a little bit better. Um, and I ended up, I qualified uh, in two classes that year, and one of my bikes had an electrical problem, and um, it would have been, which I'm thinking, I, I would have to probably go back to the vault and look if I rode two, both 250 classes or if I rode a 450 class that year. I might have rode both 250 classes and it was the same bike, but I remember being at Kawasaki a lot and then working on my bike and trying to figure stuff out, and they could never... They just could never figure anything out. My bike ran like crap the whole week. And uh, So while you were at Kawasaki, the Team Green semis they have at Red Eyes, who was, who was the Team Greens at that time? Uh, Villapoto, which he was an A rider. Um, and then, um, no, you know what? Villapoto, I think, was he A in, no, was he A in 05 and then went pro in 06? He might have already been gone. Um, uh, he went pro in 07. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Okay, it was his. Bud, it, okay. Creek okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, Villapoto would have been there. Um, I don't remember who else. Man, back then there was so many Team Green riders. They had because they had all these regional guys that you know were team had Team Green rides. Yeah. So, so you had so many people that had support. It wasn't just like four kids like now that they yeah. fork all this money into. Like they spread the money around a lot, and they might not all be getting these you know millions of dollars like the kids are now. Or just, I hear that. I don't know that that's true, but hundreds of thousands of dollars, let's say that, of support. They were getting, you know, a few bikes and a parts account, and but they had support. And uh, so there was just a, a ton of kids, you know. But, yeah, anyway, my bike ran like crap that week, so I didn't – wasn't – like I said, Loretta's for me always. Just bad luck, you know, horribly bad luck, just not ever being able to show my true potential. Um, and then – uh 07 comes around and uh you know the my dad was like man with four strokes and us having to buy two bikes i just don't know that we can buy two brand new bikes and you're wanting new bikes and uh he's like it'd be nice if we could get some help from a dealer around um and you know i was asking the same thing because i'm wanting bikes 
And I asked him, I said, well, you think if I go talk to Leland at North Jackson Honda, you think maybe, and he's like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Leland would do. And, uh, you know, it's it was kind of different. My dad owning a shop that's, you know, somewhat competition to this dealership. It's not direct competition, but somewhat on the parts and service side. But Leland was always, you know, a, a guy that got along with my dad. My dad got along with him. So uh, I went up, went up there and sat down with the guy and asked him i said hey you know i'm i need some help on bikes and uh i was gonna see if maybe you had demo bikes or something maybe you could help me with and he's like man he's like you're the last kid that i ever would have thought to come ask me for help just because of your dad owning a shop and all he's like but you're one of the most deserving ones around here and i would be glad to help you so i got a honda deal and i got two bikes every six months which was amazing dude oh like i got a 250 and a 450 every six months and uh 07 was an amazing year for me as an amateur dude i won every i, I fit the hondas really good they were dude amazing bikes in 07 and 08 and uh i just i mean i gelled with them really good i had a lot of confidence for some reason and man i was just local wise areas and stuff i was just i mean dude i was i was on fire and uh so uh regionals that year i went 216 at bremen in one of the 450 b classes um should have done better in some other classes but just you know it was hard if you got bad starts it was hard but that class for whatever reason man i just I threw away overall because I went 2-1, and I went into the third moto and probably had too much of a big head and didn't get the greatest of starts, and I had to come through, and I could just I, I managed six. But they gave me second overall, and I, tr I was training. Um, that was a time to where I was um, – I had graduated from high school. I was uh, – like, I had a lot of focus on I'm not going to college, and I want to do this dirt bike thing. It was the first time in my life where I thought, like, maybe I can do this. Like before that, it was just something we did for fun. It wasn't like a, I'm going to make this. But, but at that time it was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. I think I can make it. So I went and, uh, I trained and had a personal trainer and I really, and I was working like, you know, I was working hard for my goals and, uh, I had changed some diet stuff too and was really trying to take it a lot more serious. Uh, so um, yeah, something clicked that year, I guess, and, uh, Loretta's came, and first moto, I get 41st gate pick, I'm like, oh my, like, here we go, Loretta's bad luck again, so, I have to get on the far outside, there was one gate to the outside of me, and I'm like, you know what, I'm probably one of the smallest guys on, out here, I'm on a 450, there's no reason I can't get the whole shot, so, gate drops, and I nail it, dude. And I wasn't out front at the first actual bend of the corner, but those guys on the inside had to break, and I just held it on, dude, and just swept around the outside. And I got credited with the whole shot because I was the first one into the actual tree section for that left-hand corner. Uh, and I, I led about a half a lap or so, and then I think Justin Weeks was the one that got by me. And uh, no, no, it wasn't. It was Vince Freezy because I've got a picture of me in front of Freezy, and that was when I was out front. Uh, so then he, he passed me, um, then, you know, a few, I remember I got passed by, um, Justin Weeks, um, I think Tony Blood was a top amateur kid that got, but anyway, I settled into fifth and was kind of all by myself, and then just out of nowhere, I lose traction going up the face of one of the singles, and when I crashed, my, my right ankle rolled under the bike, and that was it, man, I, I uh, 
fractured a little bone in my ankle and I it swelled up and I would go to um they had some sports doctor people at Loretta's that year and uh, I would go to them every day and they would tape it up and they would massage it and they would get the swelling down and I would feel good and I I would go out to ride and if I dabbed my foot one time that was it it just it it was so bad pain and uh so instead of trying instead of being like a lot of people and continuing to chase this you know could finish at Loretta's hoping I'm going to get somebody to look at me um I, I was old enough to where like we've got to make something happen we can't just you know this is not my goals then had changed from amateur stardom to I want to be a pro so I moved up to the A class immediately and we went to um Freestone for the uh, Pro National, and I did Amateur Day there to get points. I was top five in the 250 class, so I got good points there. Uh, following weekend, I went to Glen Helen and did uh, uh, Pro-Am there, which was on the same uh, same weekend as the Pro National. Uh, same deal, got a top five in the 250 class there. And I had guys like Ben LeMay, uh, Chris Johnson. I mean, there was some fast dudes at, at Pro-Ams. So if you were top five, I mean, you were, you know. So I was continuing my speed, continuing my confidence. Um, and... Uh, then, uh, you know, was was getting good points towards my pro license. Uh, some stuff sl- – I went to some – I think I remember going to Bremen maybe for a pro-am. Went to a handful of pro-ams, uh, three or four or so that fall. And uh, then they, they didn't have any in the wintertime. So it was going to be back spring before they were going to have any, which was going to be area qualifiers and stuff. So uh, that January, which we can still ride here in January, you know, I remember um, we were at Golden Pine – and staying with some friends and they were talking about like what the worst injuries would be and femur comes up and uh as being you know something you know you that would suck to break it or whatever well that was on january 1st because it was a, a new year's deal new year's ride at golden pine and uh following that that was like a i don't know if that was during the week or whatever but i know we ended up at monster mountain that weekend um i was with johnny moore and his mom Johnny was still in the B class, so uh, I, if I'm pretty, if I'm not mistaken, it was going to be a race weekend because sat, we were the, that was Saturday and it was just a practice day, and they had the practices split up because Johnny and Justin Weeks, who lived at Monster Mountain at the time and was a fast amateur, so we would you know want to ride with Justin a lot. They were um, on the, uh, they were out for their practice, and I went to ride on the Supercross track, which was supposed to be closed and we weren't supposed to ride on, but we had been. We had all three been riding on it all day anyway. And uh, I just didn't want to sit at the truck by myself while they were practicing. So I went to ride on the Supercross track and made a bunch of laps. And um, I was just kind of taking a cool-down lap. And I come over a step up that we were jumping. We were over-jumping it and landing almost in a whoop section. And uh, when I hit it, uh, my bike bogged. And I endoed and uh, endoed into the whoop section and broke my femur. And I'm laying there, not in a ton of pain, but just in, like, disbelief that like I'm, I'm I've been working so hard and then now this happens and I'm not going to get my pro license now this year I'm going to have to this is going to be a six-month setback and it's gonna you know I'll have to start over on my points because you only have a year to get them and I'm just like devastated and uh you know then you I go through the whole you know I go to the hospital get you know have surgery uh come home uh, a couple weeks after um I get to where I can actually get up off my feet i went to a local arena cross to watch and hang out with everybody see all my friends and stuff and uh 
the fire was kind of relit of like, I'm not going to just let this, you know, take me all the way down because this is what I want to do. Um, so, you know, to, with my doctor, I went to a sports med- Mississippi sports medicine. So I didn't have a doctor that's like, oh, you can't, you know, you, you can't do anything for, you know, four months. You got to lay in bed. It was like, look, man, you've got a rod in your leg. It's not going anywhere. If you can take the pain, you can do it. So that was like my, okay, like, here we go. So uh, During all this, uh, who'd you have helping you? When did you meet your, your wife and uh, was she helping So this you? was, yeah, this was before, this was, I met my wife this same year, but at the end of the year. So okay. this was before. So this is just, so this is just Jake, man. Yeah, this was, this was working, to- working for my dad, but when I would get off work, I was going to the gym and, you know, my social life was, you know, I wouldn't say like on hold, but I put dirt bikes before other stuff, man. I was, uh, I was focused on this is, this is what I want to do. And, uh, so we, uh, and to also, I graduated from high school. So friends moved off. Um, a lot of my friends were a year younger than me too, but they, same deal. They moved off. Um, they were, you know, a lot of them were getting out of high school. They're, they're moving, things are changing. So, um, yeah, so I was uh, pretty focused on, on working hard. So I, I was uh, doing physical therapy. And once I got to a point to where I could walk without both cr- with, with putting my foot on the ground, I started going back to my personal trainer. I kept in contact with him, and, you know, so I started going to him. So I was going to physical therapy twice a week and also going to my personal trainer on the other two days of the week. So Monday to Thursday, I'm, I'm training, and I was, uh, you know, getting muscles stronger and really trying to heal. So... 10 weeks after breaking my femur, I was back on a bike, which is what I thought kind of probably unheard of, you know, but um, I think now that I've kind of learned how the body heals and things like that, it's really not. If, if you put in the work, uh, the more blood flow you get to your bones, the quicker they're going to heal. And then your muscles around them is one thing that makes stuff weak. So if you're conditioning your muscles, which some stuff you can't do that because if you don't have pins or rod or anything in it, and it's not then it you it has to stay set you have to be in a cast you can't do that but luckily <clears throat> luckily for me being a femur having a rod i could i could do whatever i whatever pain took so um yeah uh got back to riding and i wasn't mentally i was still not 100 percent because i didn't want to dab my foot i was still worried about it um so you know speed was a little off but I could go to these area qualifiers, I could get my points, and that's what I did. I got my points and I uh, got my pro license like that April, I think, April or May. Um, and then, uh, and I was still gonna try Loretta's that year, so I did. I qualified for Loretta's that year in the A class, both A classes. Um, and then I also earned my pro license and attempted to qualify for my first ever outdoor national at Redbud that year on July 4th. So, six, almost six months to the day of breaking my femur. I was lining up for my first ever pro national or attempting to qualify for it. So that was, that was like a, I mean, like a huge goal of like knowing I can, you know, where I can, what I can do. Uh, and, uh, so did Loretta's that year. It didn't go the greatest. Um, wasn't for a lack of speed or trying, but, uh, it was just me being overconfident. Some I remember, so in the back section, when they call, they call that one section Storyland. When you come out of it and you've got beside the pond, um, now it's just like a double, single, 
or no, maybe now it's just double, triple. I don't know. It's kind of weird now. They've changed it so much. But that year it was going to be, it was a single, a single, a tabletop, a single, a tabletop. And, uh, well, no, that's how it used to always be. That, that year they changed it. The third, the third one, which was a tabletop, they just made a single, which I think is how it all still is now. But they built the face up of the first one really big, and you could actually go three in. And there was only, I'm going to say, 10 or 15 A-riders maybe that did this. And I was one of them. Um, so I did it in practice, was comfortable with it. Uh, first moto starts, I do it early in the race, and then I come around, and I try it again. And I got a little bit of wheel spin, and I cased it, and it wasn't something that was that forgiving. So I crash, go over the bars, and it breaks my clutch cable. And me being an idiot... I didn't crank my bike. I didn't put my bike in neutral and crank it and put and run with it and just jump on and pop it in gear and go. I just push it off the track and get a DNF. And so that's that's not good to do. So uh, that year, like most Loretta's years, didn't go good. Um, and then the following year, well, after Loretta's, I wanted to do some pro nationals. I, I wanted to. I, I kind of, I guess, thought my thought of myself as some of these kids that have rides, and I'm graduating from Loretta's to the pros. So um, I didn't know anybody that was going or doing them or have any help to just go. So I got with uh, Kyle and Dustin Gills. Um, I actually posted something on uh, Moto South, which was a forum board in South Mississippi and Louisiana, about if anybody was going, uh, if anybody wanted to go, I was looking for help or whatever. Well, they messaged me. They commented back on there. It's like, hey, we're going. If you want to go, you're more than welcome to go. Gave me their phone number and stuff. So I started talking to Kyle and Dustin. And uh, they met me in Jackson. I was in my van. They were in their motor, their fun mover motorhome. And uh, I followed them up to Millville. And it started a really good friendship with Kyle and Dustin Gills, who I had raced with some locally, but I didn't really know them. And uh, became really, really good friends with the whole Gills family. And I could thank them a lot for just taking me in to, like, let me get my feet wet of doing that because I got to experience a lot of things with them that maybe if they wouldn't have came along who knows if i'd ever if i would have got to do that but uh we did millville southwick unadilla and still city that year and i didn't make any of them which i didn't really know if i wouldn't make any of them was this 2008 2008 yeah this was start your pro career yeah so this was just me kind of learning and uh kind of you know before we go any deeper we're gonna take commercial break and uh we'll dive into jake short loved Pro career. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Looking for a new KTM Husqvarna or Beta? Maybe you just need some parts and accessories or even service. Graham KTM has the largest selection of off-road motorcycles in the Mid-South. Owned and operated by motorcycle enthusiasts, Graham KTM is the shop to go to. With over 100 bikes in stock, Graham, T- Graham KTM is sure to have the bike for you. Check out the current inventory at GrahamKTM.com or stop by and take a look around the showroom in Senatobia, Mississippi. Have a motorcycle, ATV, or side-by-side that needs service? Need a shop that has parts in stock? Cycle Service Plus has you covered. Cycle Service Plus has been in business for 33 years and is the longest-running shop in the Jackson metro area. From same-day tire and oil changes to complete engine rebuilds, Cycle Service Plus has you covered. Call them today at 601-939-5077. I've been to many big-name schools. And the funnest and most helpful school I've been to is Jake Riley MX School. He turned good technique into a habit that I use every day. The coaching of Jake never turns off. Every time we ride, he gives me tips and advice to be more in control. 
which makes me go faster. If you're looking for an affordable school, don't look any further than Jake Lowry MX School. Welcome back to commercials. We Jake was just talking about his pro career. Jake, uh, go back to you just finished Reddas and you and Kyle Gills were going to the last four nationals. Tell us what happened there. Yeah, so like I was saying earlier, you know, they were just kind of learning for me. Um, just kind of getting my feet wet on the pro deal and knowing if I was going to be able to even, even do it or whatnot and just kind of getting an experience. And, uh, you know, before that, um, you had asked earlier about, you know, if I had met Kaylin before. So I met her um, right before between Loretta's and doing the Nationals. Uh, I was practicing at some local tracks and met her and her family. And then so we talked the whole time I was gone to those Nationals. And then when I got back, you know, we started dating and stuff. And so they, they gave me a lot of support when, uh, when I started actually Supercross the next year um, in 2009. Because so back then to get your pro, your pro Supercross license, you just, if you had an outdoor license and were going to go and race and you went and actually competed in some outdoor events, you would just, they would give you your Supercross license. You didn't have to do arena cross or whatever, you know, it was kind of like, you got a pro license, you got a pro license for both. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I had, uh, I was lucky enough in 09 that, um, well, I guess it would have been at the end of 08, um, Nathan Whitlow, kid from Oregon that, uh, he had been training with Trampus Parker in Louisiana, but he was sponsored by Hattiesburg Cycles. Uh, he moved from living with Trampus in Louisiana to Hattiesburg, well, actually Purvis, south of Hattiesburg, to the Myatt's rental house, which the Myatt's are who owns Hattiesburg Cycles. They had a rental house, uh, in Purvis, and they had a track there, so they let, uh, Nathan and his mechanic lived there, and they built a Supercross track. And Nathan was just like me and Kyle. You know, he was a privateer, just you know, starting a pro career. So uh, he was friends with us. We all raced together. So he would invite us over, and we got to go down to his house a lot and ride Supercross. Um, so pretty much leading into the '09 season, that's where we practiced and rode. And uh, his track was a lot different than what we were gonna, what I was gonna see in a in stadium. So. It was definitely a learning experience, the first ones. But I only missed the first Supercross that I tried. I only missed it by one spot. I was 41. I was actually top 40 after the first practice. And in the second practice, uh, I crashed. And I didn't know that, hey, go run to the mechanics area, fix your bars, and stay out there. Like, I was just like, oh, well, practice is probably over. And I, I went back to the pits. And I didn't really – I didn't realize, like, two more laps could have maybe – helped me get a half a second or whatever it was going to take to make it in probably not even that probably a tenth of a second and uh i you know but not knowing uh so i missed the first one by one and uh i think that set me into like the trend of just always missing them by one or two or three because there was a lot of them where i was between 41 and 45 and never could get to where i was you know consistently making them and stuff um but so i did east coast supercross 09 um did a lot did all of those just me kyle and dustin gills uh by ourselves uh we did I, we went to toronto that year and jacob sailor came with us uh jacob was buddies with the gills brothers from when he rode for star racing when he was a rookie <clears throat> um so he met kyle and dustin when he lived in wiggins at, at at bobby reagan's because i guess that was before star was like really big so it was still a team still you know 
a good Yamaha supported team, but they weren't like how they are now. So somehow Jacob met them uh, in, you know, in Wiggins and they became friends. So uh, Jacob was kind of on the down of his career. I mean, he was fast and could make, you know, easily make night shows and could possibly make mains at that point. But there was times where he was like a, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's got like some top tens and stuff. Like he had a, he, in his day, he was, he was fast, man. He was, he was cool to hang out with and good to learn from. Um, so it was cool that I got to like meet some of these guys and like hang out with them really because of Kyle and Dustin and just them knowing people and I'm kind of just like, Hey, look, Jake's our buddy. He's going to tag along. And, uh, so Oh nine, you know, it was all, it was just a privateer effort between all of us. Same with outdoors. I did nine of the 12 outdoors that year qualified for, uh, Millville and, uh, Mount Morris. Mount Morris was my first one. And I qualified straight out of practice at a times and had to do LCQ, Millville that year, I won the LCQ, and uh, then backed it up with a 26th in Moto 1, so that one was where I actually showed what I can do, which was, for some reason, rare for me at big races to ride like Jake and show what I can do. I just, I, I guess mentally I wasn't strong enough back then. I I would, you know, i freeze up or whatever and just not ride like I needed to. Uh, that same year at Freestone, um, I got the whole shot in the LCQ, second the entire time until the Last lap, right at the finish, I swap in the little Texas 12-pack, and Tony Gallo passes me up the finish line, lose by a half a freaking bike, and miss making that one. Um, but I wouldn't change any of it. It was a great experience. Um, at Still City that year in 09 was the last round. Still City was the last round of 09. Um, guy comes up to me and Kyle. He's like, hey, I'm – Lonnie, I'm from Ohio. I noticed, you know, he knew Kyle's name because Kyle's originally from Ohio. And uh, he wanted to help. Said he was looking for some privateers to help and wanted to have a little privateer team. So we set it up with this guy. At first, everything seemed really good. You know, he was paying for stuff for our bikes. We got motors uh, from Pro Circuit. He had a local guy. It was FCR, do our suspension. Um, he was going to help pay for stuff. We went and stayed with him in Ohio. He got debit cards for us for his bank account in our name. Me being the smart guy, I signed up for online banking and realized that um, this guy doesn't have any money. <laughs> not not to run a privateer race team. He, he, he's, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it didn't take very long for him to not have money in the account and us to not have ways to pay for stuff. And luckily, my dad and my just – my girlfriend's parents at the time, but in-laws now. Luckily for them, you know, they, they helped with things. and uh, But some stuff got said, and I got the short end of the stick because I, I wasn't just going to butter up to the guy. I, whatever, you know, yeah, you don't have any money, dude. You lied to us, told us you had money. I, I'm, I'm not scared to tell you. And that didn't really work out for me because I wasn't going to be buddies with him. I'm just your rider, but I want you to hold your end of the bargain. You said you're going to do this stuff. You need to do this stuff. So I finished the year with him, but it wasn't good because I almost lost a friendship with Kyle because of this, because he still wanted to be on the team. I did lose my mechanic, Jason, who I pretty much, I feel like he would have never got these opportunities to be a pro mechanic or a privateer mechanic and go to these pro races if I wouldn't have invited him. It's not like he knew anything, really. It's just he was a cool dude, and he was willing to – you know, change my air filters and wash my bike, you know, it's not like you have to really do that much, but, uh, yeah, they pretty much crapped on me because, you know, they wanted to make Lonnie happy so they could stay on the team and they didn't care what, what I was doing. So 
Um, went my separate ways after Supercross from that. Um, and then I was going to do outdoors, try and do some outdoors. So we did Freestone. Um, I didn't make it that there that year. And then I went to uh, Bud's Creek and, uh, well, it was it would have been High Point first, Mount Morris, and then Bud's Creek. So I went there, just me, Kalen, and uh, one of my dad's old friends and a guy that works for him, son, some John Smith. Uh, we went in the motorhome and stayed for a little over a week up north and uh so mount morris i didn't make it and uh which i'd made it the year before so i thought you know i should make it but i didn't and then we go to bud's creek and i crashed in practice and got a concussion and it kind of took the wind out of my sails on like just because of the whole you know getting screwed over in supercross and then it just took the wind out of my sails like i you know so um that year my in-laws had moved up to hernando north you know from brandon central mississippi to north mississippi and uh they had started doing a series up here called king of the hill series and they were like look you need to come do this uh you're gonna you'll actually make some money so i started doing it it was really fun i was making money it brought the fun back to racing so i didn't i went to millville later on um in the year because i had a one of my dad's friends offered me to come to his house. He would take us in his motor home and stuff and help pay for some stuff. So we went with him. Um, I wasn't prepared. Didn't make it. Um, and uh, so it was kind of like, I, you know, let me just do this King of the Hill series, this local series, and have fun. And I found the fun again. And then for 2011, you know, I didn't really know that I would have any plans, but my father-in-law invested in ankle savers. Um, this could... I'm not going to go into this too much because it could, this is a long story and I don't want to, you know, say things. Maybe my father-in-law don't want me to really, you know, put out publicly, but you know, uh, he invested in ankle savers and it started off really good. We had a supercross teams, myself and Johnny Moore, um, because we were the local guys, they wanted to help, uh, help us help the local guys. And, uh, it ended up, you know, I mean, it was good through supercross, but the owner or founder of Ankle Savers and my father, father-in-law just, they kind of butted heads on how business should be done. I agree with the way my father-in-law wanted to do things. I mean, if you're in business, you're in business to make money. You've got to have product to make money. If you can't pay to go racing, well, that, that's fine. You put that on the back, burn, back burner. You don't worry about supporting people yet. You worry about having product, making product, supplying all your suppliers with your product so you can make money. And the guy that created it, that was not his idea. He just wanted to go race. So uh, my father-in-law ended up trying to get out of that deal, and it went it went kind of sideways. So I wasn't going to – I have respect, and I feel like respect goes more than anything else in life. So I wasn't going to ride for the guy. Even though I was still offered to be on the team, I went my – I was like, no, nah, I went my separate ways. And uh, just uh, – for 2011, I, me and my dad got stuff ready, and he took took me to Freestone, and we did Freestone in the 450 class in 2011, and I didn't make it. And then I tried Red Bud. Actually, me and Kyle kind of smoothed stuff over, and uh, because our friendship was deeper than just some idiot, you know, that was supposed to be helping us, that you know, kind of lied about some stuff. Um, so we ended up going together to Red Bud that year, and I didn't make it, and uh, it was kind of like. I'm done. I, I'm, you know, I, I can't ride enough, train enough for this. I had, uh, rider was, um, you know, what, seven months old or so at that time. I was working more at my dad's shop. Um, my wife was working, you know, I had, I had bills. Um, 
Yeah, because, I mean, at that time, I, I, had a, I had a house. I mean, so yeah. I'm not like, you know, I'm trying to live real life. I'm not trying to just, you know, be a kid and, and chase, you know, even though it was my dream, it was kind of like reality set in and like, you're not going to make this, you know, you unless you just want to totally, you know, really give up everything, you know, give up wife and kid and, and give up everything to try and chase this dream. It was like, you know, I, you just can't continue to do it and not make money and not, not have anything, so... Um, that was kind of the end of the short little bit of uh, pro career, unless you want to add in a little bit of flirting around with it since then of, you know, 2015, I did, well, 2014, I did a Amsoil Arena Cross, but I didn't make, I made the night show, but I was not good. Uh, 15, I did South Haven, made the night show, but I didn't make any mains or anything. And then the following weekend, I went to New Orleans and I got eighth in the main in the lights class. So, I mean, that's, I guess if you want to say that's a professional level, whatever, I mean, that's, I guess, I mean, that's cool to have on my resume that I, you know, but, um, and then, you know, this year or this past year going and trying to qualify at Ironman, uh, I wasn't way off for, you know, the amount of riding I get to do and training and stuff. So, but it's just for fun now. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be something anymore. I just want to have fun and challenge myself and, just kind of see where you know where I can still be because I I find joy in um, in being that competitive and trying to be at that level and I, I I think it's cool that I can still somewhat be at that level just based off of skill and kind of knowing how to ride a motorcycle versus being a guy that's just burning laps and I hope that that's like something I could teach kids that I work with that knowing how to ride the motorcycle properly and having skills is way more important than just burning laps at the test track or, or at your, you know, training facility track, because you can, you can burn laps on the exact same track all day, every day and be fast there. But that doesn't mean that when you're putting it, put in a race situation on a different track that you're not used to, that your skills are going to hold up for that. I think there needs to be a lot more skill building and technique building at, for all the, for a lot of riders. Um, and, uh, but yeah. Anyway, that's uh. Speaking of uh, of teaching kids, do you know what happened shortly after your pro career in 2013? Um, you came to my school. <laughs> you met the best kid you've ever worked with, me, and that's when you met me. I'm technically, I guess, I met you. You were doing the King of the Hill, and I knew your name, and uh, you had the. You had a school for a week, and you let me and what me, Robbie, Noah, Olivia stay at your house. Random four random kids. Stay Ryan, Hall. At, Ryan Hall stay at your house, and uh, that's when you started. That's when I guess you were doing trying to do schools full time, was it not? Yeah. So that's when uh, I mean, I guess that's when I was wanting to do like week camps and stuff. But no, I started doing schools in '08. And uh, we just do them on the weekends here, there to make a little extra money. And uh, I enjoyed doing it. And like when I did the King of the Hill series and got like when I was winning it and like the people that ran the series wanted me to kind of be a name in it and just, you know, involved in it. Um, we would do little schools on Saturdays after practice before the race on Sunday. Yes. And it was just like a free deal just for like an hour or something that have myself, Johnny Moore, uh, any of the local pros or local fast guys kind of helped the, uh, you know, younger local kids that were at this, doing the series races. 
That's and, where uh, that was the first time I saw and talked to you. Is we were at Hen Valley, and it was you, Jason Perry, and I think Bishop Zach. Yeah. Doing it, and we're doing like a corner, and it was out there for an hour, and it was it was nice. It was good. That's when we first thought. I was like, huh. I guess Jake kind of knows something. I'm not going to admit it to him now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so. Uh, you know, I always wanted to do that a lot, but working for my dad and stuff, it was like, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like I've got to work here and, you know, whether sometimes I wanted to or not, but, uh, I, I liked, you know, doing the schools. Um, and then when like the week long thing is I would take off a week from my dad's, my dad's shop and I would, you know, have kids come and stay for a week and we would do like a camp and go to a bunch of different tracks. Mm-hmm. And my ideal thing was I always want them on track to do it at, which I never could, you know, I never could do that or afford that. Uh, still can't, even though, not to sound cocky or anything, but I do feel like I can help some of these kids more than some of the people that are teaching them at some of these other places. Because to me, if you've never thrown your leg over the bike and done it, I just don't know about, Hard you know. Teach it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to send my kids to somebody that's never that was never a pro. You know, whether he yeah. was whether he was that successful of a pro or not to me if you can make that level that shows you know i mean like there's look i don't well, just, all the pros even the top so you could say the top 20 pros i mean they all know the same things just some can teach and some can't yeah yeah some, some can explain what they're going to do and then some can't yeah you i mean be one of them yeah like, so like take johnny moore for instance just because me and johnny are friends and I, I know this from talking to him He's told me before, like, he's not good at explaining to kids, like, how to do all this stuff. He knows how to do it, but it's just, you know, that's why he's never done schools. Mm-hmm. But he was more, but he's been to, he's came with me to schools and hung out with the kids and talked to them. And, but it just wasn't him full on doing the school. And that's fine. You know, everybody's not made out to talk a lot or, like, dissect the sport and know exactly what they're doing exactly what works why you do that you know being able to explain why you do this why you do that um i feel like i learned a lot of that from shannon Ade, the guy that taught me you know it's who i went to as you know as an amateur growing up and uh you know just kind of used my own twist as i've gotten older and learned other things myself um but you know i just i guess some i wouldn't send my kids to somewhere if the guy wasn't an ex-pro and some people probably don't believe that they believe that you know the guy you know watched enough but that's just that's just my belief my opinion um and i don't like hate on other people for doing schools because we need a lot of schools and we need a lot of people teaching schools so we can elevate our the riders and and ultimately make people safer when they learn how to actually ride but i do feel like some of the places the kids aren't getting a lot of one-on-one technique training they're just getting a lot of burning laps. And I, I don't agree with that because you create bad habits and bad habits are really hard to break. And I just, I don't, I'm not big on that. But um, I, I guess, uh, you know, if I was going to if I, if I was gonna send my kid to somebody local around here right now, I guess I would send him to Caleb Bertrand. Uh, Caleb's a good rider. I like Caleb. It feels like, to me, it seems like he does a really good job with the kids he works with. So, like, if I was going to send them somewhere other than them, you know, learning from dad, then <laughs> I would, that's where I would, you know. Uh, but there are, you know, tons of these facilities all around the country, and, uh, you know, each of them has somebody successful, you know. So, I, you know, each to each their own, and, you know, they all have pros and cons. So, so but, I got a couple questions since you're done with uh, story time. 
while you were like going to these nationals and stuff, we know that you'd have to go in the morning, go to a riders meeting. Was there anybody at the riders meeting that you were like, like so stunned and like kind of starstruck that you were like either talked to or like saw or even hung out with? Like, did you hang out with many people like that where you were kind of like, this is thinking to yourself like this is a surreal moment. I would never thought I'd be able to talk to whoever. The only person I would say maybe with that would be Kevin Wyndham because I got to go ride at Kevin's. Um, and, I mean, you'd go privately to his house and ride Supercross with him. That's like a kind of like a dream. I mean, you don't, not everybody gets invited to do that. Um, and Kevin would actually come and say hey to us at the races and try and keep up with how we were doing qualifying-wise. Um, so, you know, something like that. But I, I tried to always tell myself that like these guys aren't any better than me so like a lot of people kind of idolize pros because they want to be that level but like when I was there I wasn't like you know so when I'm in the 250 class I'm not like oh gosh there's Dungy like like I didn't like I want to I want to be able to beat Dungy one day so I'm not gonna like idolize this guy like you know which I never was ever gonna make that level but just to me like I didn't I didn't get like starstruck now like maybe some of the old retired guys that i watched as a kid i could have maybe been more like okay if i could have hung out with chad reed yeah that'd have been you know but i don't know some of the guys that i grew up racing with kids and all like now nah, i mean I, you know i i grew up racing with them when we were kids like i'm not gonna you know yeah. i'm not really like starstruck because you know I, I don't know it's like uh you know, we, we walked the track with Villapoto in 18 at Loretta's. Uh, my kids wanted to do it. It was a Yamaha deal. And I was trying to, you know, pick his brain on stuff when that we did when we were kids, you know, racing together. And, you know, because all these other kids are, like, you know, flipping out that it's Villapoto. I'm just, like, he's just a normal dude that I raced with. Like, you know, it was, it was funny because he, uh, he – some kids asked about where to start on the starting gate. And uh, he said that – you know, you would want to start around the box or to the inside of the box. And somebody said, well, if you had to get outside, you think you'd get the whole shot? And he's like, no, there's no way you get the whole shot there. And mm-hmm. then when he walked off, I didn't say this around him because it would be, to me, kind of disrespectful. But when he walked off to some of the other parents and people that are walking the track, I was like, he's kind of wrong on that because I've got a whole shot from the outside. I mean, I've got video proof of it yeah. from getting from the far outside getting the whole shot. So I'm like, yeah, you really can't say, no, you can't. Like, to me, teaching schools, you never discourage you know, yeah. you always encourage. Like, yeah, it's not ideal to start outside, but if you do everything right, it's possibility that you can do it. Um, so I just thought it was kind of funny that, you know, his his way of, uh, you know, and, and it's I think that comes from being a factory rider. Like, they, they get this mentality of they've got to have this stuff an exact way or, you know, they, they don't kind of can't go against the odds as much. Um, maybe just my opinion on that you know but um he seemed like you know a cool guy he he talked he wasn't you know he didn't act stuck up uh and uh when i i always mess with you about the alessi deal but i talked to mike at monster that that year and uh i told him you know it was always a dream of mine to get a whole shot over him and finally did it and he thought it was the coolest thing ever like he was a super cool dude he wasn't a jerk or anything um and but he's gotten older and he knows that He's not going to. Uh, he's not going to continue to be able to race for that much longer. So he's just enjoying it now, and I, I like that. Some of the guys are, you know, that 
people idolized. I guess I didn't idolize them, but so there you go. I mean, I don't, I didn't have anybody that like I flipped out about when I saw, but I guess uh, you know. I'd be different. I would flip out if I saw RV or somebody <laughs> like that. It's so cool. Yeah, but you didn't grow up like it's different when you grow up racing these guys and you've you've possibly battled with them or I mean not really battled with them, but you've. I mean, I guess there was some guys that I battled with, but, like, it's just different when you grow up racing these guys and you see them uh, several times a year at amateur nationals or whatever, and, like, you want to beat that guy, whether you can or you can't, or, you know, but, like, so then when you grow up to be pros, it's just, like, I don't know. I just, I, I never, like, I just never idolize them. I still don't to this day. Like, people have fans or whatever, and it's, like, I like some guys better than others, but I'm not, like, a fan of any of them. I like Roxon because I like what he's done for the sport. I think he's a good representation of the sport. I like Sansarillo, good representation of the sport. And I remember seeing the kid on a 4-6 to six Cobra at Dyersburg at Great River Road at a regional. And, like, it's cool to see that, remember seeing him then and seeing what he grows into. But I'm not, like, a, like this, like, giddy super fan of any of them. I just, you know, I, you know, and uh, even, like, Tomac and stuff. Like, I have friends that were friends with him so it's like, ah, uh, you know, it's it's kind of hard to like. Yeah. It's too small of a community, I guess I would say. You know, I would. Um, I just I don't know. They're, I guess the way I think too. I mean, they're just normal people like us. They just they're skilled on a dirt bike more than we are. That's that's it. You know. Well, you you don't not me. I mean, I don't think they're more skilled than me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess you're right, Grayson. <laughs> All right, is that everything you got? You got to talk about? Are you? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, unless you have any more questions for me, since it was just as a deal about my uh, background today. No, I don't got any more questions. I think that's we're gonna wrap up episode four of the shop. Thank you everybody for listening. If you made it this far, be sure you like, subscribe, share it. We're getting a lot of people, a lot of views every day. I guess people are kind of catching up and uh, comment what we're we're gonna talk about next week. You know, Supercross coming up. We got two races between now and next episode so we have a lot of racing to talk about and it's going to be good we're going to keep up with amateurs tell you about uh the locals where everything's going next week so uh come back next week for a new episode see ya